0: Will you join with me in prayer? Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word. And as we share in your word together, as we explore it together, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in each of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're eating again as we make our way through the Gospel of Luke this Lent. And it's not a full-on banquet this today, uh, but we also aren't out in the field gathering kernels of grain as we were the last time that I preached. Instead, we find ourselves in a scene that may be a bit more familiar to us, a house guest and a busy woman in the kitchen. Can I get an amen if you have ever felt like Martha? I distinctly remember the first Thanksgiving dinner when uh, leadership for the meal transitioned from my mother-in-law to me. My mother-in-law was uh, an amazing cook and one of the hallmarks of her meal prep was abundance. When she would cook Thanksgiving dinner for our family, she would take the entire week off from work and spend the whole week preparing, and she would make so much food that there wasn't just enough for everyone at the table. We would bring containers with us because we knew that there would be leftovers for everyone. And the first time that I had the responsibility of preparing this Thanksgiving feast, at the end of the day, I found myself just overwhelmed and exhausted. And so I did what Martha did. I asked for help. And that actually went very well for me because now what I find is that every member of my family has a specialty that they always make for Thanksgiving dinner. And so I get to sit at my table and to enjoy the good things that people bring to share in our feast, as well as the wonderful sense of teamwork that we have from doing this together. But that doesn't happen in Martha's case. If you look at verse 40, Martha asks Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And now note that she doesn't ask for Jesus's support. Martha demands it. Martha is convinced that she's doing the right thing and that her sister Mary is not. And so she tells Jesus to step in and make things right. Jesus, I need help. So get my sister up and working instead of sitting and listening. Now, if you've heard a sermon on this passage of scripture before, you probably are thinking to yourself, I know where she's going with this. This is going to be a sermon on the importance of being in the presence of Jesus, sitting at his feet, learning from him, and not to always be doing and serving. And that is certainly a message that many of us need to hear. It's certainly a message that one could draw from this story. However, have you ever noticed that when it comes to Jesus, what we think we can expect is often not the case? That for Jesus, often the last is first, up is down, and he just has this way of constantly surprising us. And I think there are some surprises in this story as well. As you know, if you've been worshiping with us throughout Lent, we have looked at the different meals in the Gospel of Luke. And as we have done that, we have repeatedly found that Jesus is surprising us through these meals, often by breaking boundaries. And so when he ate with Levi, the tax collector, surprise, he broke the boundary that like eat with like by eating with a sinner like Levi and his friends. And when the disciples ate grain in the field, surprise, they broke the boundary between sacred and secular by plucking those kernels of grain on the Sabbath. Then when Jesus ate with Simon the Pharisee, surprise, he is served by a sinful woman with an alabaster jar of perfume. And then just last week, when the multitudes were gathered and 5,000 people needed to be fed, surprise, Jesus uses ordinary people, his disciples, to participate in a miracle. And so what surprise do we see in this story? Instead of focusing on the tension between Martha's active service and Mary's quiet contemplation, I want to invite you to read this story through the lens of breaking boundaries. And if you're new to reading scripture, if you feel like you don't really know very much about Christianity, let me encourage you by saying that you bring fresh eyes to this passage and that you may actually see something in this story that those of us who have read it multiple times can easily miss. There's some significant tension in this story and it's not just between the two sisters. Take a look at how Luke begins this story in verse 38. He writes, and Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now we can't, I just read the NIV translation and we can't see this as easily in that translation as we can in some other translations. But the way that Luke writes this in the original Greek makes it clear that Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And as they are approaching a certain village, his disciples keep going and Jesus made a stop in the village. And so Jesus is by himself and Martha invites him into her home and Jesus accepts. Now, stop there. Like, think about that for a moment. A traveling, unmarried, male religious leader is alone and he is staying at the home of two women. Now, even in our culture, that shouldn't happen. But in this culture, it is scandalous. In the United Methodist Church, all pastors have to participate in what's called boundaries training. Boundaries training teaches us how to establish healthy boundaries, especially boundaries between those with the opposite gender and to impress upon us the importance of keeping boundaries not only to prevent inappropriate behavior, but to prevent even the accusation of the possibility of inappropriate behavior. It is good and necessary training because it is important for healthy boundaries to be practiced. And yet look at what Jesus does in this story. Jesus is staying at the home of two women who seem to be single. And those of you who know your Bible, you may be wondering, yeah, but you're like, what about their brother Lazarus? We read about him in John chapter 11. Where's Lazarus? You know, maybe he's in the back room watching football or something, and this is all okay. Well, maybe, but Luke doesn't mention Lazarus. Luke doesn't mention Lazarus in, the entire, in his entire gospel. And so we really can't assume that Lazarus is in the house. And Jesus is breaking social boundaries just by staying in Martha's house. But that's not all. Notice the other and think about the other meals that we have looked at in Luke. The host was always a man. Not here. In this story, Martha assumes the role of host, a man's role. And Martha is not just the cook. This is Martha's house. Martha is hosting Jesus. Martha's even telling Jesus what to do. Maybe you know a woman like Martha, (laughs) a woman of tremendous energy and activity who takes charge when she walks into the room. There's no mention here of any kitchen servants, any slaves, anybody who's helping Martha in the kitchen. And so it's likely that Martha is not wealthy. Martha is not prominent. Likely she is a relatively poor woman who is alone in the kitchen and she has worked herself into a frenzy trying to provide the best hospitality that she can to her guest, Jesus. And Jesus breaks through the fog of her frenzied activity by calling her name. Not once, but twice. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted about so many things. There is need of only one thing. Have you ever been so distracted and upset and worried? by the thoughts that are just racing through your mind, that you don't even hear your name being called until the person has said it multiple times. Perhaps that is Martha in this story. Jesus doesn't do what Martha demands. He doesn't tell Mary to get up and help her sister. Instead, Jesus sees Martha. Jesus sees the worry and the distraction and the anxiety and the frenzy. And he tells her, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the better part. We can so easily pass judgment on Martha. Martha should have focused on the people under her roof instead of the food on her table. But today, I don't want us to miss the significance of Martha's role in this story. Jesus ate at Martha's table under Martha's roof. And it was probably a simple meal in a simple home. And yet she offered Jesus what she had. And Jesus tells her, don't be worried and upset. What you have is enough because only one thing is needed. Just as the five loaves and the two fish were enough to feed the crowd, Martha, what she has to offer Jesus is enough. What an honor Martha had to host Jesus, even though she didn't get it 100% right. Besides Mary, the mother of Jesus, can you think of any other woman in Scripture who had the privilege of hosting Jesus At her table and her sister Mary Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said Martha assumes the role of host while Mary assumes the role of disciple learning from the rabbi a disciple would sit at the feet as Mary does with Jesus to learn from the rabbi. Mary assumes the role of disciple, which is also a man's role. And this again is scandalous behavior in this culture. By not doing a woman's job and being in the kitchen, helping Martha, Mary is bringing shame on her house. You've probably heard the saying, a woman's place is in the kitchen. Well, that was definitely true in this culture. Mary was not in her proper place. The Mishnah, the oral law law of the Jews, made it clear that a rabbi did not disciple a woman. And yet Jesus says, Mary is right where she belongs. She has chosen the better part and it will not be taken away from her. In this story, we see Jesus breaking boundaries of gender. Jesus broke the boundaries that limited a woman's opportunity to worship, dismissed her voice as invalid, as not appropriate in a court of law, and restricted her education. A couple of weeks ago, we saw how Jesus received hospitality from a sinful woman with an alabaster jar who dared to enter a Pharisee's house. In today's story, we see how Jesus receives hospitality from a woman with chutzpah who dared to invite Jesus into her house. And Jesus shares the gospel with a woman who dared to sit at the feet of Jesus and not be in the kitchen where she belonged. All these women are so different. None of them are skilled, are powerful, are influential. They are not the kind of people a leader would choose for his A-team. And yet we see over and over again in scripture, the disciples of Jesus come in all kinds of variety and the people that Jesus chooses to eat with, chooses to teach, chooses to raise up as leaders are often not the people we expect. Over and over again, Jesus breaks boundaries and surprises us. When I first began to wonder if God was calling me to pastoral ministry, I assumed I had to be mistaken because I did not see myself as the kind of person who could be a pastor because I was a mother. I had three young children at home. I had a husband with an irregular schedule. I couldn't go to seminary. I couldn't assume the responsibilities of being a pastor. And so for 10 years, I wrestled with feeling a sense of call and feeling like I wasn't the right kind of person. Eventually, as those 10 years went on, My children, they were growing up. They were becoming more independent. And eventually we reached a point where I began to take steps of exploring pastoral ministry. And step after step, I found that my life, the rest of my life was not falling apart. God called me long before God expected me to take steps and to live into that call. I believe that some of you listening are being called by God to full-time ministry. And like me, you think that you must be mistaken because you aren't the right kind of person. You see the circumstances that are holding you back. Maybe like me, you have young children and you can't imagine answering a call to ministry because you are committed to spending time with your children. And I just want to say, I am so grateful for those of you who are making that commitment. For those of you who are making raising your children a priority in life, because I'm here to tell you the sacrifices that you are making today can reap incredibly satisfying fruit in the years ahead. And this season of high investment parenting will come to an end. And there will be a new season with new opportunities to use your gifts in ministry. Maybe you're a child listening to me, and you think she can't be talking to me because I'm too young, and yet you daydream about giving the sermon. Maybe you're a middle school or a high school student, and you wonder, is that God's voice that I've heard in the quiet of my bedroom, or is that just my imagination? Maybe you're a college student, and you're wrestling with what am I going to do when I finish my education? What's next for me after graduation? And you feel your stomach flip when you allow yourself to think about what it could possibly be like to invest your life serving Jesus. Maybe you are already in a full-time career and you think you can't possibly change course now, not at this stage. And yet God's voice continues to call and the Holy Spirit continues to nudge. And maybe even right now you can feel this tapping on your heart. Don't ignore that because you think you aren't the right kind of person. Because God specializes in breaking down barriers and surprising us. I don't know who God is calling because just like Jesus shocked people by who he chose to eat with, God often surprises us by who he chooses to call. And this, But I do know that this congregation has a beautiful history of helping people to hear a call of God on their life and then embracing full-time ministry in the name of Jesus Christ a vibrant, healthy church like this church should be, raising up and sending out pastors. And this church has Beth Jones, Rick Waters, Cindy Gunter, Heather Hughes, David Spearley, DG Giordano, Zach Woods, Daniel Havrilla, Sean Gray, Summer Bear, Josh Tobias, and me. I love that in the last 25 years, I believe that there have been 12 pastors raised up by this church, just like 12 disciples. And of those 12 names that I just named, five were under the age of 30 years old when they were sent out into ministry. This church does a fantastic job of raising up young leaders. I also love that half of those names are men and half of those names are women. But we haven't just raised up women as pastors. This congregation has raised up women in a variety of ministry roles. You heard from Kathy Choate, the director of First Nursery School, who has spent decades sharing the gospel with children of this church and of this community and has raised up many other women who serve alongside of her at First Nursery. Jen Lake left a steady full-time job to start Dwell, a nonprofit ministry that supports foster and adoptive families right here in Lycoming County. Erin Mowry gave up a teaching job in a local school district in response to God's call on her life to use her administrative gifts as our office manager. And Katie Conrad, became our Director of Technical Ministries when she graduated from Lycoming College. I know that there are more. And so I invite you to celebrate the women who have gone into full-time ministry by placing their names in the chat if there's someone that you think of. What a diverse group of people we have serving Jesus in full-time ministry. They have very different gifts and very different roles. If your heart is beating a little more quickly, as I talk about serving God in full-time ministry, I want to encourage you to take one step and to talk to somebody about it. If you are a child, talk to Miss Julia. Nick is here for our students. Ben will connect with our college students. And Pastor Matt and I would love to talk with any adult Take a step simply by having a conversation. Don't let the boundaries of our culture, of your experience, or of your circumstances paralyze you. Because Jesus breaks boundaries. I want to end by inviting you to pray with me. If you think that God may be calling you into ministry, if you feel both afraid and excited, Would you open your hand as you pray? Because we want to pray for you. We want you to know that you are surrounded by a community that wants to come alongside of you, give you courage and wisdom. If you are willing to support those who are wrestling with a call, would you hold your hands like this as you pray, as a gesture of blessing? Will you join with me in prayer? Lord, before this moment passes, let us each ask in our own hearts, are you calling me? And if the answer might be yes, give us the courage to act and the peace to know that you will break down any barrier between us and your calling on our lives. Lord, we give thanks that you are a God who constantly surprises us and breaks boundaries among your disciples. Thank you that you call those this world would not expect. Thank you for those you have called and for those you are calling right now, right in this moment. Lord, I believe that some are hearing this message and you are calling them to serve you in significant ways. Help them, Lord, to not ignore your call. Call them once, call them twice. Keep calling them until your voice cuts through their anxieties and distractions until they realize they are hearing the voice of God. And may they know that they don't have to have it all figured out. May they know that they will not be doing this alone. God, thank you for this community of faith that has nurtured women. Thank you for this community of faith that has believed in young people. Thank you for a community of faith that offers love and support to leaders who seek to do the one thing that is needed and follow you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And thanks be to God. Amen.